This is the Conduit Church Teaching Podcast. Thanks for joining us. It's our mission to be a conduit of Jesus to the community in front of us and the world around us, starting with the teaching of His Word. Enjoy the message. Would you open your Bibles to the book of John 4? We've only got 10 minutes, and I know it, but I want to finish what I started last week. Last night, it was the first time I realized that Alex very first trip to the United States in 1987 was to a little church in Garden City, Kansas. Anybody know where Garden City is? Jeremy, you do. Does anybody know what Garden City smells like? <laughs> Feedlots, baby. Like, if you wonder where your, uh, your steak came from, feedlots in western Kansas. My dad used to say, it smells like money to me. <laughs> so I'm like, well, maybe that's why we're broke, because money smells terrible. Like, I don't want that. Like... <laughs> But he was at a little church in the middle of nowhere, Kansas, and I'm like, wait a minute, are you talking about Word of Life Church? Like Pastor Don and, and Lenore? And, and he was. He had literally flown to the United States, got on an Amtrak train and flew an Amtrak train to Garden City, Kansas, to be in this little church in this little town that ended up giving him his very first tractor that's still sitting over there outside of a silo. And I'm like, I know that guy. I, know the, I knew the youth pastor back in 1990. I led worship. Sorry, that's a whole other story. <laughs> it wasn't the, I wasn't that great. But I led worship in that church. I, it was like, oh man, the small world of, of God's big kingdom that it would be 20 years later in Kampala, Uganda, that I'm meeting a guy that I could have met in Garden City, Kansas when I was 20 years old. But it reminded me of an era of my life that I look back on with some fondness and you know some embarrassment, but... It was during that time in 1987, no, no, it was 83 when I think Don planted that church, and that was when my little church started over in Nebraska, and I was um, 11 years old, 12, I guess, and uh, my buddy invited me to go to church on a Tuesday night, and I don't know about you, but at 12 years old, what's the last thing you want to do on a Tuesday night? Go to church. But my buddy was persistent, right? So I go to this little, it's in a hotel room. And there was a woman preacher that night named Elizabeth Pruitt was her name. And uh, I, I don't remember much other than there was maybe 30 people in this room and that she had like double jointed knees. I remember that because, it, you know, like when you get like the raptor legs, you know, like they kind of go backwards. I'm like, how did the, do you do that? And, but she, I swear I'm not making this up. So she... Uh, where there's like 30 people and she gets to the point in the 80s where well, they do this a lot in the 80s. Now, who wants to be healed? Come on down front. Okay, now I'm the only guy in there on crutches. There's 30 of us and I'm on crutches because I have broke my big toe <laughs> kicking my brother uh, and he raised his knee up and I broke it and it made a, a sound. And, and back then, I don't know what they do now, but back then they just taped them together with a piece of cotton in between and wish you, you know, wish you luck. So I'm on crutches, and, you know, and I'm not going down, but everybody in there is like, well, you got that guy right there. You know, why don't you get down there, dude? I'm like... <sighs> so I hobble down front, and uh, in, in, in those days especially, I don't know, do, they still, do you guys know about the slain in the spirit thing? Do you guys know that? You Nazarenes and Presbyterians have no idea what I'm talking about. But, but this, long before there was a trust fall, like we made up trust falls in the 80s. Like this was when you would go down front, and they'd pray for you, and then you would fall, and there'd be a nice uh, an usher. I mean, it's hard enough to get greeters and ushers now, but we had to get people that would catch you when you fell down when the Spirit... And I used to remember thinking, like, 
I bet if we took away the ushers, we'd find out who was really slain in the spirit. Because <laughs> my theory was if God can knock them down, he can take care of them on the way down. But anyway, I, uh, I'm not proud of this, uh, but I, I faked my fall. Um, I mean, I was, a, I was 11. What do you, you know, like, I didn't know. I was just, everybody was falling and, and now I'm laying there thinking, I wonder how long I got to lay here. Like, I, I didn't know the etiquette. Like, I didn't know how long was long enough. You know, so my eyes are closed. I'm like, I'm kind of listening around. And, and then it hit me. I was bending my toe. Legitimately. It was broken. It was purple. I couldn't bend it. I couldn't walk on it. I'm laying on the ground after faking a fall, and my toe is moving. And that blew my little 11, 12-year-old mind because something happened that day that I didn't deserve, I didn't earn. I mean, literally, I faked a fall. It wasn't because I was being that holy. I lied, man. I'm laying on the ground completely faking it. But something happened there that I could not explain. And it was a sign to me that whatever was going on in this weird little church, in this weird little town, that something was real here that I couldn't articulate. Something, and it was a sign that something besides me existed in the universe. And in John chapter four, he actually... This is after the, the woman at the well. You remember we talked about the mission, uh, that, that she had this mission now, and, but Jesus said, it's my mission. I have this food that you don't know anything about, this mission, and that mission is our fuel and our food. And it's even like a church. Like if, we're gonna, if, if God called us all together to be here as a church, is it just to go to church? I mean, it seems like a lot of work for Jesus to have died, right, crucified, resurrected on the third day so I could go to church. Didn't that feel like a lot of work if that was it? Nothing wrong with it. We're supposed to be here. We gather, but why are we here? There's a mission that he called us to be a part of. It's not that our church needed a mission. It's that Jesus gave us a mission, and that mission was going to need a church. And that mission is what fuels us at this church, and I want you to know that it's what Jesus means for you to fuel you in your private lives as well, in your day-to-day walk as disciples Jesus said, this is the food that I have, and that is to do the will of my Father, to finish what he called me to do. And that mission is in the next few verses where it's about multiplication. The woman at the well goes back. She's telling all of her friends, this guy, I don't know anything, I just know he just literally, she didn't go to school, there was no evangelism training, there were no gospel tracts, it was just, he lists what he did to me. And it says that many people believe because of her testimony. The, the multiplication that happens. And the thing that we didn't get to last week was this idea of what these signs are, these the, the miracles and things that happen. And I want to read you just a, f- a few verses. Because after Jesus had been there, he's now going back to Galilee. Like he's, he was in Samaria. This happened. Lots of people get saved. It's multiplying. And now he's gone back to Galilee in verse 43. In verse 45, he arrives in Galilee. The Galileans welcomed him. This is like his hometown. It's like us coming back to Middle Tennessee. It's like Uganda. Uh, Alex is going to go back to Kampala. He's going back to his hometown there. And when he arrived, the Galileans welcomed him. They had seen uh, what he had done in Jerusalem at the Passover festival. Do you remember what he did there? 
He cleared the temples. He wasn't doing miracles in the temple. He got the whip, and he was kicking people out for turning his house into a marketplace. They, they had heard about that. They had seen that. So they went back to find him. But look at what happened in verse 46. He's now in Cana. So if Galilee would be like Middle Tennessee, these are the little towns in the area. So Cana is a town. Uh, Capernaum is a town. But he's in Cana, verse 46, where he had turned the water into wine, when there was a certain royal official whose son lay sick at Capernaum. Capernaum was about 20 miles away. So it'd be like, uh, let's say Lewisburg, Patrick, I'm like, is that what, about 20 miles? But it wasn't like he jumped in the, you know, in the Dodge Charger and drove up here. He had to walk here. So he has now walked 20 miles when he had heard that Jesus, verse 47, arrived in Galilee from Judea. And he went to him and begged him to come and heal his son who was close to death. Now, verse 48. Unless you people see signs and wonders, Jesus told him, you will never believe. Now, commentators, theologians, Bible teachers, many of them read that sentence and say that Jesus is rebuking this guy. Now, nowhere in the scripture does it say Jesus is rebuking him. This is us in turning and toning and tuning and tuiting. Someone get the verbs. This is us trying to say this is what we think he's doing. Because it doesn't say that. It just seems like that's what he would be saying. But does it sound like Jesus, that if you came to Jesus and your son was dying and I'm begging you to heal him, does it sound like Jesus would be scolding you? I can't believe that you're coming here to get your kid healed. You're never going to believe unless I heal your kid. Let's go and your kid's healed. It doesn't sound like Jesus at all. Now, is it possible he was rebuking him? Yeah. But it doesn't feel like the Jesus of the New Testament. There are other places where Jesus says without a sign and he, he rebukes them. This doesn't seem to be one of those because he is not saying that here. He's talking to a man whose son is dying. And when he was still on the way, so he's, uh, let's say, the, uh, unless you see verse 48, see signs and wonders, you're never going to believe. The royal official said, by the way, this guy, royal official, we don't know. Um, the consensus, as best I can tell, was this was somebody from Herod's court, like a royal official from Jerusalem who was ruling in this area. Not somebody that would have been popular. Not somebody that everybody was like, oh, you want to heal that guy because we're cheering him on. This was just a guy in the community, a leader in the community. And Jesus says, you know, he's going to heal his son. Verse 50, go, Jesus replied, and your son will live. And I love this verse, last part of verse 50. The man took Jesus at his word and he departed. And while he was still on the way, his servants met him with the news that his boy was living. And when he inquired as to the time, he said it was yesterday at that same time. And the guy, and it says down here at the end uh, that his whole family believed. Verse 53, your son will live. So he and his whole household believed. Jesus said to him, unless you see a sign, you're not going to believe. Here's your sign. Now he believed. That's the Jesus that we love and we serve. Now, question why do we not see more of that kind of thing in our modern day and era? Now, some would believe and say that it's because Jesus doesn't do that anymore. That was just for the time of the apostles, and it doesn't happen anymore. Now, I've been healed with my big toe, right? And I'm saying, I don't know, what, I know what John MacArthur says, but I walked out of there without a purple toe, and I wasn't on crutches anymore. 
You know what I'm saying? I love John MacArthur. I'd go to jail with that guy any day. But my toe was healed. In 1987, I'm in Guatemala with a group of missionaries. I'm 16 years old, and we have made some dumb decisions. And I am now 16 years old with a bunch of 17-year-olds. We are lost. Remember, Guatemala people, you've been there before? We are in one of the bad zonas of Guatemala, like in the La Limonada, near the slums, gang-controlled area. It is night. We do not, we do not belong there. We shouldn't be there. We got no ride out of there. And so we get together, this little group of us, and we were, there was a guy named Ron Luce who started Teen Mania Ministries. This was his first mission trip ever. Ron's back at the hotel, blissfully unaware that about five or six of his teenagers are being real idiots. And so we get into the circle and we pray and we decide whatever bus comes next, this is, because the buses stop at around 11 o'clock. This is the last buses of the night. They're all going back to the station. We decide whatever bus comes next, we're getting on that bus because we got no more buses coming and it's gotta be better than where we are now. We get on that bus and on that bus is a guy sitting in the front row, I kid you not, wearing a uniform from the hotel that we were staying at. He worked there. He helps us make a bus change. We have to change buses. And we go back to the hotel. We're like, oh, praise Jesus, this is great. You know, 16 years old, this is awesome. God moved on our behalf. We went to thank him the next morning at the hotel very early because he was working the night shift. And we said, we knew his name. He had his little name badge on. And the front desk lady said she didn't know who we were talking about. There's nobody that works here at this hotel by his name. We don't know who that is. I don't know if it was an name. I don't know what it was. I just know that God did something nuts and he gave me a sign that maybe there was something bigger here. Fast forward to a few years later and I'm having a, a crisis of faith. Because here's the thing, a sign helps to bolster your faith, but it is not what you can build your faith on. And there's a moment where I'm like, mm, I don't know, man, is this, how do I know that Allah is not true, or Buddha, or I mean, I, I'm reading Stephen B. Hawking's A Brief History of Time, and, which ironically is one of the things that saved my faith. But I, there was a moment in all those struggles where I thought, wait a minute, my big toe got healed when I was 11 years old. And I know that sounds so dumb. But that night on that moment, again, didn't save my faith, but it was a little bit of a, forgive the pun, toehold, <laughs> that there was something here that was worth looking into, something worth going back to. And there was a journey that began for me that wasn't built on the signs, but they were a toehold to show me, pull me back. They were, I'm on the right road. And what I wanted to say to you is, why don't we see more of that in our world right now? I, I'm going to be as theologically deep uh, and profound as I know how to be. I'm not 100% sure. Don't know. But I'm going to give you one. This is not a thus saith the Lord. This is a seems to me. Jesus never once said that you should follow signs and wonders. Right? When the, when the guy or the girl comes to the arena, fills it up, and you come down here to see the signs and wonders, that is you following signs and wonders. Jesus said, Mark 16, that signs and wonders will follow those who are believed. As you were going, making disciples, these things are going to happen. As Jesus, you, they were following Jesus, and as they followed Jesus, miraculous things happened along the way. Signs that Jesus is who he said he was. 
did Jesus heal my toe in 1983 because he didn't want me limping out of there with a purple toe and crutches and he was so, so concerned about my discomfort? I mean, John Piper says that in any moment, God is doing a thousand things and you're lucky if you know two of them, right? Maybe that's why. Or maybe he wanted to put a sign in my life that I could look back on that he was who he said he was. He said he was gonna give us one sign to say at 100%, this is the only sign I'm gonna give you that I am the Messiah, and that is that I'm going to be dead for three days, and on the third day I'm gonna resurrect from the dead, and the truth is, anybody that promises you that they're Jesus, if they can pull off that, you better listen to what they say. I've been to the tombs all over, oh, there's no tomb of Jesus. Here's one of the reasons, my greatest reasons I know he resurrected. You can go to the tomb of Muhammad, they venerated that thing. You can go to the tomb of Buddha. It's there. You can get, they venerated it. And what we know about the Catholics is y'all will venerate anything. You got a thumb that might be from the Thomas Apostle. We'll build a cathedral over it. Do you, do you not think that if there was a body of Jesus somewhere, they wouldn't have built the biggest cathedral in the world? I mean, they built a cathedral where you can go kiss a rock where Jesus may or may not have been. They couldn't because there was no body because Jesus is not in a grave anymore. That's the sign he said that I'm going to give you that I am who I said I am. But as you were going into the nations, and, I, and by the way, America is a nation. The multiplication, the mission. What if you opened your mind and your heart to the fact that there might be some miracles along the way? That there might be a, a sign here and a sign there. I don't believe in, in, in the God that is a genie that I just rub his belly and miracles come out. Uh, you, you might, that's fine, but I just don't. Uh, I, I'm, I'm old enough now to not uh, to, to command God to do my will. One of my favorite prayers now is, God, just do what you said you'd do. Just do what you said you'd do. God is not my, uh, my, my genie. God is not my servant. I am his. And at the same time, there are people in this room who maybe you've given up on seeing any signs in your life. Maybe today, you and me can go back and find the faith of a royal official back in the day that went 20 miles to find Jesus just to say, can you heal my son? Would you please heal my son? Walked 20 miles. And Jesus, by the way, how have you noticed when you see Jesus doing miracles? He didn't do, it's not like David Blaine or Chris Angel. He wasn't like sweating pulling his sleeves up and the big production and throwing his coat on him. He just said, be healed. He didn't even have to be there. He said, go home. He's healed already. Don't seek signs. Seek Jesus. Don't follow signs. Follow Jesus. And follow him long enough. Follow him into some places where you need a miracle to get yourself out of it. And don't be surprised if he doesn't move on your behalf, maybe even today. Stand to your feet. I want to get you out of here. Thank you for being patient. I know we went a little long, but we've got Alex Matala here with the, I mean, how could we not? Um, I am headed right into a Conduit Connect event. So if you're one of the new families that are going to be with us, we're going to go right out there. You're going to eat lunch. Uh, and Jim and Julie Weidman, I know you guys aren't here as visitors, but you feel free to get a lunch out there if you want to as well. <laughs> I want to pray for you. Heavenly Father, would you bless my brothers and sisters? 
There are some of us in here today that we don't believe because of signs, but I bet in this room, if you remind some of us today, there are some signs in our lives that we've forgotten about just like me. There are signs that you've already given us. Would you remind us of what those are? The ways that you've already moved? And Lord, I pray that as you, as my brothers and sisters are leaving today, that those that really are just seeking a sign, would you help them to seek you instead? and let the signs work themselves out. In your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you guys.